Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. One of the challenges of traveling is managing your money. If you're tired of getting crushed by bank fees and exchange rates, you need to check out wise.com. I have been a customer for over 10 years. This is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. It's been essential for me first as a traveler, then later as a digital nomad and an expat living abroad, running a business from around the world. You get one account, which allows you to send, spend, and convert money internationally, all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. You can join 16 million customers, learn how the Wise account can work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to Wise for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at nissanusa.com. The definition of wonder is a feeling of amazement and admiration caused by something beautiful, remarkable, or unfamiliar. I'll share some thoughts in this podcast around what I think wonder and travel most have in common when it comes to this definition. And I bring this up because wonder is something that I discussed with my friend Aaron during the interview segment of this show. He is an award-winning travel writer, and he shares some incredible advice on using travel content creation to add more adventure into your life. And you're not going to believe the story he tells how a 100-mile pub crawl he took, yes, a 100-mile-long pub crawl led to his career as a travel writer. All of that and so much more its happening right now. So listen... I know there's probably a good chance you haven't been on a plane for a while. Maybe you don't love flying. Maybe there are certain things you love about flying. But anyway, if you miss being on a plane, here we go. Buckle up, sit back, relax, grab your favorite beverage, enjoy a little you time because it's time to talk travel right now. Thanks for being here and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today, this is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire. Yes, I am hunched over with my computer in the bottom bunk of my wife's old childhood room here at my in-laws up in rural Norway. And this kind of brought me back to my early episodes, some 350 plus episodes ago, can't even remember when, years ago. When I first started recording this, I was still nomadic. I didn't, at the time, have anywhere that I was living. And I was just getting ready to head over to Norway, I think. And I started recording shows while I was crashing with my mom for a few weeks in a bedroom there in her house. So here we go. It comes full circle. So this is one of the beauties of uh, podcasting. You can just plug in a microphone. I can hang out with you. We can have some fun times together, and um, I can do it all from a little bedroom 
somewhere in rural Norway. So anyway, wherever you're at, maybe you're in a small bedroom somewhere in some rural place. Maybe you're on your bike. Maybe you're out for a run. Maybe you're walking on the beach. Maybe you're just chilling, making dinner. Hello to all of you. What's up, everybody in the Zero to Travel listening community? Thanks for being here, as usual, because without you, there is no show. This is a community-powered show. I'm always inviting you to get in touch. Jason at ZeroToTravel.com is my email. always want to throw that out there and hear from listeners. And one of the things I've been thinking about doing is setting up some kind of audio line. So anyway, you can always email me some audio if you have a question. Uh, Just record it on your smartphone or whatever and send it over. I would love to start putting your voice on the podcast and we can do some, uh, we can add like some question answer segments to this show if that's something you'd like. Uh, rather than writing me questions, pop on the smartphone, record a question or just record a comment, introduce yourself, tell a story, whatever. Uh, if I get some good ones, I will put them on the show so you can start hearing from other people in the community. I think it'd be a lot of fun and I know it's an extra thing to do, but hey, Maybe it's a little podcast experimentation for yourself, you know. Have fun with it. Send me an audio message. Let's get these audio messages going. Jason at ZeroToTravel.com. I'd love to hear from you and, and feature some of you on the show in some segments. I do want to give a shout out to somebody in this community, but I'm going to save that for the end. This is somebody who... um took my advice around spontaneity, apparently. I guess I said that some episodes back. I'll share what she did. It's pretty cool. So maybe that'll inspire you. And I know today's interview is going to inspire you. My buddy Aaron, he's an incredible guy. As soon as we started chatting, I was just really excited to have him on the show. And you'll hear at the end, we're going to have to bring him back for a part two to cover uh, even more uh, of the knowledge that he has to share. Uh, He also has an incredible podcast that you're going to hear about called the Armchair Explorer Adventure Travel Podcast. And if you stick around to the very end of the show, I will be uh, sharing a clip from that if you want to check it out. So uh, Aaron is an award-winning travel writer and journalist. He contributes regularly to the Times of London, National Geographic Traveler UK, and other well-known publications. Got some great stories, and we have an awesome conversation, so I know you're going to love the interview portion of this show and stick around to the end. Like I said, I've got the shout out. I'm going to talk a little bit about wonder, how it relates to that definition I shared at the top of the show, what I think that has most in common with travel for me. You'll hear a little clip from Aaron's show as well. So plenty on the happening on the back end. Let's get into the interview segment and I will see you on the other side, my friend. Wait, so yeah, 10 weeks with the kids at home and now the summer holiday starts, so you're you're into it. You're just right I'm back into in it, the mix. doubling up, double doubling down on it. Yeah, double but, dipping. Um, <laughs> double dipping dad. That's what we're going to call this podcast. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's it. But um yeah, no, it's great. I think we're just going to go do a ton of camping. We had a bunch of travel uh plans this summer that was that's all been canceled, so that's a bit of a bummer. But um but it, ironically, we really haven't explored Colorado as much as I want to because we're kind of away back to Europe and doing stuff like that every summer so it's uh it's going to be I'm looking at it as this is a great opportunity to just get out into the mountains and explore the home state you know yeah hey man I'm always down to talk uh Colorado 
camping and wilderness and road trips and all that kind of stuff. Oh, so. I need some tips from you, man. I definitely need some tips. Yeah. Hit me up. I am recording, <laughs> by the way. I just started okay. recording here because um, we're here and we might as well record this chat, right? <laughs> you want to miss any of that early gold, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'll give you a short intro here. My guest today is uh, my friend and all around cool guy, Aaron Miller. He's an award-winning travel writer, journalist, and author who contributes regularly to the Times of London, Geographic Traveler, and other international publications. He's also the host of an awesome new podcast called Armchair Explorer, where the world's greatest adventurers tell their best story from the road. You can check that out at armchair-explorer.com. So you know I'm going to make him tell us his best travel story at some point. I will also get your advice on travel writing, how to use travel content creation to add more adventure to your life. I'm also going to promise you, Aaron, because I saw on your website, <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to bust your chops a little bit because we're friends because uh, part of your tagline on your podcast, it says, quote, no long-winded interviews, just straight to the heart of the action. <laughs> I thought you might grab that one. Yeah. So okay. anyway, uh, get, get ready and buckle in for a long-winded interview. <laughs> Oh, you know what? None of your interviews are long-winded, Jason. I was a big fan of yours before I came on the show. Stop, stop. Come on. You're buttering me up, so I'm buttering you back. (laughs) Now, we've been getting to know each other. Um, Yeah, you you touched base a while back and then um, kind of working on this project together that's coming ever so slowly. But um, anyway, and then you told me about your podcast and uh, I was like, oh, this this is so great. So congratulations on that because uh, I love the how you're putting it together and the style of it. Yeah, I just wanted to um, kind of get into it a little bit with you and all the topics that you're an expert on. But first, I wanted to ask you about, you know, we know each other, but not so well. We've never met in person. We've talked on Skype a few times. Uh, and you grew up in England. So I want to hear about what it's like to grow up in Brighton, England, because I have no reference point for that. Uh, Brighton is a, is a great place to grow up. It's kind of a, like a wild seaside town uh, in the, it's right in the south of England. And, um, yeah, I loved it. It's, it's, uh, it's a bit of a party town. People famously, people used to come down to Brighton for their dirty weekends, you know, so it had <laughs> is that, that what kind they of call like, it? a dirty weekend, a dirty weekend. I guess that's what they used to call it in the sixties and seventies. I don't know. I'm an old hat I like now. That. I'm a dad now, so we don't get any more dirty weekends, uh-huh. but, um, but yeah, it's a really fun place. It's a, it's got a great beach. It's uh, but it's a stony beach. I think like you get tourists that come there and they're like, oh, we've heard about this amazing beach, and then it's but it's like a stony beach. So it's uh, it's like a, it, and, and it's it's obviously it's England. So it's like they're like great, and then they're like, oh, this hurts my feet. Oh, this water's freezing. This sucks. <laughs> exactly. But the uh, but you got great pubs. So that's it. like that's what I always say. Like my wife's from Scotland, and we always go up there, and it's you know. It, on a beautiful day, there's no more beautiful country in the world. But you know, you don't always get a beautiful day. But when you don't, it just it just sends you into the pub, and that's why like Scotland and England have the best pubs in the world, in my opinion, because you know, it, because they have to, right? Because you're not you can't spend every day outdoors. So yeah, you just end up uh, you spend a little bit of time on the on the stones, and then you just end up in a in a nice pub, looking out the window at the sea, whilst enjoying your fish and chips or whatever. So it's oh. it's good fun. <laughs> yeah, what's up with the I mean, I love the pub culture, particularly in Scotland and Ireland. I haven't gotten the pleasure of traveling around England too much, so I'm sure I'd love it there as well. I mean, it's a huge part of your culture. Yeah, actually funnily enough, my my first ever job, I used to work in the in the music industry in my 20s and I kind of ran away from that. 
um, uh, and just kind of ran away to be a writer. And um, it was going horribly, right? You know, I, I, I'd, I'd spent about six months trying to get published. It was, it was going horribly. And then I had this idea because um, just outside of Brighton, there's a, we live in a beautiful, it's now a national park, but um, at the time it was just about to become a national park. And there's this long distance footpath called the South Downs Way. And it's a hundred mile footpath that kind of intersects like east to west, this uh, this whole beautiful countryside, like proper quintessential English countryside, rolling downs and little ye olde villages and whatever. And um, it was just about to turn, uh, it was just about to turn into a national park. So I thought, oh God, this is a great idea. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a hundred mile pub crawl along uh, this route. And, uh, and so in order to celebrate this, it becoming a national park. And so I got the job and it was like my first proper uh, travel writing job that I got. And I, I kind of fell into travel writing. That was your that. pitch. That was your first pitch that you, that you nailed. That was my I'd the hundred kind of, mile pub crawl. <laughs> pretty That's much, epic. yeah, yeah. It was epic, and it was February, so it was like I, it was it was cold, and it but it was uh, you know it was rainy. There were times when I thought like God, I'm going to need like a submarine here to keep me dry. But uh, but it was just it was just the most fun because you know you're doing this kind of ten day hike through beautiful countryside, and then you're stopping off. I, I kind of worked out the route so that. Obviously, you're waking up in in a pub in the morning. I did, you know, you're not not having a pint then, but you're having a giant full English breakfast, yeah. piling on those calories. Then you're just like hiking until lunch, stopping off, having another pint, and then like just winding up in in a pub in the evening. So, yeah, if you're into the pub culture, I would say that is probably the the ultimate kind of South of England pub experience. And and I, I just think like hiking and and pubs always go together great because it's sort of guilt-free gluttony isn't it like you're just burning off you burn off all those calories in the day so you, no matter what you eat and do in the in the evening you're totally cool you're, you're just breaking even what you just described is my dream vacation right now <laughs> <laughs> let's do it serious man let's do it so i have a i have a proposition for you perhaps as a follow-up pitch you could revisit that same uh same trail with a, with an american bloke of yours <laughs> and see what kind of hilarity ensues as, as we hit the, I would love to do that. I'm actually walking it again the other way just to, um, uh, with some friends because you know, it's one of those places where you grow up somewhere and you never sort of, you're just, you're going to explore elsewhere. Your eyes are elsewhere and you never kind of turn inwards and look at your own country. And so, uh, loads of my, my mates that I grew up with had never walked this amazing hike. And so I'm, I'm kind of every time, every year, every summer I go back, I drag them along another section of it. It's taking us about 10 years. So, so you're welcome to tag along. And oh man, I would love it. <laughs> What's the name of the trail again? It's called the South Downs Way, and actually, it's an ancient. Um, it's a kind of ancient pilgrimage path that's been walked for about seven hundred years. So there's all this beautiful history along the way, um, and when you get to the end of it, there's this incredible. It's kind of the best point of the whole trip because when you get to the end of it, uh, it's in Winchester, and Winchester is like the the seat of King Arthur, and it's got Winchester uh, Cathedral and a beautiful historic town. And um, right at the end of the route is the Abbey of Saint Cross, and if you knock on the door of the abbey one of the monks opens up and if you say, I've just completed the South Downs way and I'm humbly requesting the, the wayfarers dole, they will give you uh, a slice of bread and a, and a glass of beer. And they've been doing that for over 600 years to anyone, any pilgrim that, that arrives there. And they're still doing it now. So that is uh, by far the best, the best pint of the route. And you've, you've really uh, earned it. What a, what a great reward. 
uh, you know, to have that kind of uh, history behind it. I, I imagine it wouldn't go over well if, if you took a sip and you're like, did you have an IPA by any chance? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I've been, I've been spoiled out here in Colorado. I've become a bit of an IPA head. And it's true. The, the bread's a little, yeah, you know, and the no, beer's that's, warm. That's obviously, not, obviously not whatever, what it's about. Whatever. That's right. not what you remember. No, it's not. Yeah, you remember the 600 years of history, not the taste of the beer. Exactly. When I think about going into a pub, like in Ireland, for example, first of all, the music, the whole music, I don't know if it's the same in England with like, there's such a robust music scene in, in Ireland and you get so many magical musical moments that just happen spontaneously that only happen in that moment if you're there and they never exist again, right? This is like, this is the magical travel experiences that we have. But there's also something about going into the pub. It's like walking into the womb or something, right? Yeah, that's right. It's yeah. like warm and cozy. And especially if you're hiking and you're coming from outside, the wood is warm. I mean, even just the, it's, it's aesthetically warm, even if it's not temperaturally warm is that a word is that <laughs> no a word? you're the writer i, totally I just you. made up that i just made up that word i like it <laughs> i like it too well first of all i want to go back because you said something that kind of struck me you said you ran away from the music industry what were you doing and why did you run away it sounds pretty dramatic like i'm, I'm out of here <laughs> well we've we have parallel lives we've discovered yeah. haven't we because yeah we, we both worked in the music industry and i um you know, I kind of grew up a musician. Well, I grew up hanging around with musicians. I was a drummer, so that's the uh, that's the drummer joke. Um, but uh, but yeah, music was always my first passion. I loved it, and I ended up working for a management company in London and kind of doing that whole thing and working with young artists and and uh, you know, absolutely loved it through my twenties. Um, but there came a point where I just felt like I was on the wrong side of the fence. You know, I was on the business side of it, and um, I come from a family of writers and. Uh, I guess I have these periods in my life where I suddenly wake up one morning and I think, God, if I don't do this now, it's never going to happen. You know, that's what happened when when we we ran away from uh, England to Colorado. Uh, um, my my son was just about to start school in a month, and I suddenly was like, If we don't go to the mountains now, we're going to live here forever. And so <laughs> and so, I just kind of like got up. And sometimes you have to listen to that instinct, you know. And uh, it was the same uh, kind of thing, I suppose that like any creative business there are times when it the music business for me was like a little m and a capital b you know it be, it was really a lot about the 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 business and the corporate side of it and the side that was i was really passionate about was the working with the artists and making music and and all of that so i decided i wanted to do something more uh, creative um and uh, so kind of ran away from London and um, I, I feel like I'm painting myself as a picture of people, someone that just runs away from things all the time. <laughs> yes, you have a stick, Danatide on the back of it <laughs> and all like your food's in there and you're running. I feel like we're having therapy now, Jason. I appreciate it. <laughs> why am I running away from all these things? But, <laughs> but, but um, yeah, it was, it, it was a sort of period of my life. I'm like, I'm going to try and be a writer, you know? And, um, and like I said, with the, that for a while it didn't work out and I didn't really mean to get into travel writing. And, and, and then I got that South Downs way job and I got published in a few outdoor magazines and I, but still it hadn't really kicked off, you know? And then, and then I had this moment where I just, I suppose like to an American football uh, equivalent would be, I think you call it the hail Mary, right? Where it was just like, I'm just going to go for like just one really outrageous high risk move and if i don't get it then fair enough it wasn't meant to be and so i um i pitched the sunday times a uh, 
uh, an idea and the the kind of astronomy and space was a really big thing at the time brian cox had just come out this this great documentary series everyone was really into it um and that's the, really the secret of of um travel writing and getting and getting published as a travel writer is is trying to understand like what ideas work and what ideas sell and why those ideas are attractive to editors and, and publications and and um i'd kind of started to work this out and i know that the the main thing is really is the the topicality and the why now like why is this idea relevant now and if you can work that out then you can get published anywhere and um so I was like, God, so this series is so popular. And, and I knew that this island called uh, Tenerife, which is off the coast of Africa, it's a Spanish island, uh, is, uh, was the best place in Europe for stargazing. So I pitched the Sunday Times, like the biggest newspaper in, in, uh, in, in the UK, this idea of doing a galactic safari um, to, to Tenerife, where I was going to enjoy the most amazing stargazing in the world. And of course, you know, they never got back. You have to expect that with, with uh, freelance writing. They don't get back. They don't get back. And then I think it was like three or four weeks later that, you know, I was, it was actually like a bank holiday or something. I wasn't, I was supposed to be doing something else. My phone goes and I pick it up and it's like, uh, hello, this is Christine from the Sunday Times. I've, I've seen your idea. It's, it's not rubbish. Um, but, um, but who are you, you know? And uh, I was like, ah, uh, and, you know, trying to, Backhanded sort of compliment there. It's not rubbish. Yeah, exactly. I know. Get used to that as a as a writer, right? <laughs> but but the um, but she said, look, you you don't have enough of a of a portfolio to 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 write for us, really. But if you can get out there and do the job, I will read it. And uh, I didn't have any money to get out there, um, so I I totally blagged it. I phoned up the you know the the tourist destination and I got them to pay me pay for my flights. I I arranged all this stuff. I phoned up. Um, Brian May, the guitarist of Queen, who had done his degree in astro, his PhD in astrophysics in Tenerife, I managed to talk him into doing an interview with me, and I so I had this whole huge thing, and I went out to Tenerife, and and the stargazing was just unbelievable, and, and I don't know if you've ever had that moment where it's just, you know, you're somewhere. If you go up to TD National Park in Tenerife, which is which is really really high up, it's. Uh, um, it's called, it was described by uh, Neil Armstrong as like the closest to the lunar landscape he's ever seen. It's this, this beautiful kind of stark red, um, barren place. It looks like the surface of Mars or something. And it's just perfectly clear and just stars that it just felt like the stars were just kind of swallowing you. It was so whole, you know? Um, and anyway, wrote this piece and, and, um, and, uh, she published it and, and kind of after that, you know, someone had caught the Hail Mary and, and after that I was just, from then on I was Aaron Miller from the Sunday times. Yeah. So, so I kind of, uh, I took a big chance, I guess. And, um, and, and it sort of paid off just at, just at the end. Well, you took the chance, I guess, but you also did the legwork. You hustled it up. I mean, you got an interview with a, a world famous guitarist. Who, you know, you you, you kind of connected all the dots and and figured something out that was that was as big as your pitch or bigger. I guess I would say. Yeah, so. and, and you know, I think you got to be unafraid to do that. You know, if you want to get into into anything, really, particularly with something that's as competitive as as as. Uh, as writing, it's, it's definitely a hustle, you know, um, and that's, that's great though, too. It's, you know, it's about sort of just really getting an idea that you're passionate about, that you want to communicate to people and believing in that idea and believing in what you're trying to say. And for that, for me, that story, um, and the way I managed to talk Brian May into it was that story was about like, how do the stars make you feel? 
Like, what is that that moment when you're watching stars? How does that make you feel? And I wrote that this line in that with the stars make children of us all, because in that moment of watching the stars, it's like you know you you come back to that kind of wonder of childhood where where you're you know you you're part of something you feel kind of just infinitesimally small and at the same time part of something incomprehensibly large and it's something that you can't understand and process um but yet you feel so connected and so that's kind of what i wanted to communicate uh, about that piece and, and i think that once you find that that passion like you know if i could speak to just a few people with that one idea then it's going to be worth all this hustle because that that idea i'm passionate about i think that idea could inspire someone else and so you know i, th- I feel like particularly with travel writing it's um you know you have an opportunity to to write about things that um that that really means something to you and, and maybe connect with other people and 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 you know that if you get when you get the right idea that's worth fighting for yeah yeah that's a good way to kind of think about it it's like your your fight for the idea and the intention behind the message and who it's going to impact and i think that uh that adds an energy to your work it's hard to measure, of course, but it, it gives it something, gives you something. It, it adds something to it, uh, the intention behind, behind something, particularly when it's meant to impact somebody in, in a positive way, I think. I mean, that's super helpful. You talked about running away from the music industry, and I had like a kind of a moment like that too where I was on I was tour managing with this band, and um, they asked me to go on their international tour. I was like, wow, I could like get, you know, I'm gotten already gotten paid to travel doing other things, but this is like a whole other new way. And this would be really exciting. And then I had a similar moment to you where I was like, well, they'll be living their dream and I'll kind of be like along for the ride, which would be like super fun. It would be a dream job in a way. But also at that point I've been touring for a long time. And I thought, well, I think it's, this is the time, like you said, like if, if not now, then when is something that I say on the podcast a lot. And it's true. Sometimes you have those moments where you're like, Hey, if I don't do this now, it's never going to happen, you know? So I, I thought like, well, if I walk away from this thing, like I know I'm giving something up awesome, so I have to do something even awesomer, right? Better than this, like something that's for myself, that's creative. And that can be an empowering thing too, right? Like well, closing the chapter on something and going into a new thing, like writing, or for me, it was like, you know, I ended up in podcasting and different things like that. You're always going to start from zero and it's pretty intimidating, do you operate from your intuition often? It's a great question. Um, I think people are different, right? Like I think people have different ways of processing. Um, for me, there is a lot of intuition, but there's also a lot of planning and a lot of thinking about stuff. Um, you know, I'm someone that really likes to to work things out, like to work out how um, – how am I going to give myself the best possible shot at this? And, you know, I, I did that with travel writing. Um, I kind of worked out the formula for, um, how, what ideas sell, how to write pitches, queries to editors. That we're going to ask you about this formula later, by the way. Uh, okay. I great. Get some advice on this, but yeah. Um, and so I think a part of it was that, was that kind of analytical side. Um, but I do feel I do really believe in intuition too. Like you're saying, like you just sometimes you have these kind of quiet voices that say to you, and I and I totally felt that too. You know, it's like this is this is a dream job, um, but it's someone else's dream, and I'm just along for the ride. And and that's not to 
to discount that. You know, I felt very lucky to be able to do that. But I, I'm also a big believer in, you know, whatever your dream is, you have to give it a shot. You know, you have to. Are you, you sure you're not American? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going, I'm going down that road. You know, watch out. Um, but, but it's, I feel, I don't know. I feel like the, things are more possible than, than you think they are, you know? And, um, and if you, if you kind of work it out and give yourself the best probability of success and, and keep going, I don't, I'm not a believer in, you know, you can, you can do whatever you set your mind to do. I do think that, 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 that might be true to a certain extent. Like I would love to be a professional soccer player. I'm, I'm nowhere near good enough at well, soccer. I mean, I don't right? think you know? that's true in the physical realm, but for a lot yeah. of non-physical things, it can be, I think. It can be. It yeah. can be. I mean, you know, given nor like sort of like blessed circumstances, I guess I would say, you know, making all the assumptions like you're not, you know, some people are, you know, they're, they're stuck in situations and countries where they're not going to, it's going to be very difficult to, to come out of that. But people that are listening to this on their iPhone aren't included. in that. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. But it's true. But I think that, you know, those things are always moving. Those probabilities are always moving and changing and, and you can do a lot of things that, that affect that and give you a better chance. And that's basically what I think setting your mind right is. And I, and I really believe in intention. I, I was interviewing this woman for the, the podcast the other day about intentions and the power of setting intentions. And she, she sets this intention to uh, she's a nature writer and she she kind of believes in setting these mental intentions when she goes out into the wilderness to to perceive the world to perceive nature uh, her thing is is trying to connect in a more kind of indigenous way but but i think you could that intention is really powerful it's about kind of getting your awareness right it's about setting your mind to notice certain things certain opportunities um and I think when you do that, when you set that kind of intention, uh, then that's a, that's a really powerful thing. And then the universe starts sliding things into effect for you. So I think it begins with that. It begins with, you know, really, I think dream sometimes feels like too ethereal a word. You know, it, it's it it's, has to be more concrete than a wish. It it's, uh, has to be something that no, I am going to do this. This is something that uh, that is powerful to me and is important to me. And I'm, I can visualize, I can see myself doing that, whether that's like, I, you know, we always talk a lot about, you know, the, the importance of travel and why travel is such, can be such a catalyst for growth and, 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 uh, you know, just, it can change your life in so many positive ways. And if, and if that's, if that's important to you, I think that intention can begin with really just, you know, seeing yourself doing that, seeing that, you know, seeing that as a reality. Um, and then you can kind of almost summon it. I don't know if you ever experienced this, but sometimes in my life, I feel I can summon, um, a kind of future. So maybe that is like manifesting something and it's not always the, the future that I dream about, but it's, but it's something close or it's oftentimes more, um, more right for me than I, than I realized when I first had that dream, you know? Yeah, for sure. I'm very much in the in that camp in terms of intention being so important. There's a great book called the power of intention by Wayne Dyer. I would recommend anybody to read that or listen to it. It's all about sort of intention as a force in the universe, essentially, obviously like the manifesting thing. I, th I think that that's always a term that like, you know, the alarm bells and the defense guard goes up for people. I think it was just like, well, 
you can't sit back and say, I'm going to manifest a million dollars in my bank account. Boom, there it is. I just thought about it, you know. But uh, it, it's different when you're manifesting in terms of setting an, I think setting an intention that not only serves you, but can serve other people in some way, particularly when it comes to your work, uh, can be a very powerful thing to put out into the universe for yourself. And, the, and that manifests things it, it kind of naturally out of that, I think, right? It, it's It's like... If you want to take a trip, but you also take the practical steps. You can't just sit back and think, you know, this is going to happen just by thinking about it, of course. Yeah. I mean, there's a book, I haven't read it, but The the Secret or whatever that's into that. And I, you know, I always think that's, I agree with you. I I don't mean manifesting like you can manifest a million dollars or you can manifest a luxury vacation. But, um, you know, those are external things. And a lot of those external things are beyond your control, right? And so it's about, I think, saying, um, you know, what can I manifest in myself to make those to, to make what my skills and talents and possibilities that are already surround me? How can I make those things work for me in a way that that kind of pushes me towards where I want to go? And I think that, you know, that's that's definitely a, a, a powerful thing. You've probably manifested a luxury vacation before for yourself, right? Like, I, I mean, manif- in a way, because you're like, hey, I'm a travel writer. I can uh, pitch <laughs> oh, this yeah, story. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can go on this thing. Like, seriously, though. It's... I manifested this interview. You don't even know it, Jason. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, you better you better get to manifesting bigger things than this. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually manifesting something else while we're talking right now. So multi, no, but it, manifesting. It, but I think, you know, intention and, and manifesting or whatever, you said the word summon and I like that. It adds something different uh, to, to, to the whole concept, I think. Summoning is, is more like, all right, I'm bringing, I'm bringing this together. I'm using what I have and I'm kind of bringing this things to me and, and integrating it with like who I am and what I have to offer and what I may be able to put out into the world. And uh, yeah, I know this sounds very, maybe this conversation is going into a new age spectrum, but uh, hey, this is, I, I found, I mean, it sounds like you found in your life as well, that these are, these are powerful forces in the universe. And when you start things and put things out there, everything kind of starts with an intention, right? If you, if you don't have the intention to go on a trip, for example, or take a gap year or, uh, you know, leave your career and, and take some time off and go live in uh, Indonesia because you always wanted to do that or whatever, then it's definitely not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And I think you can think about the why of that too, right? Like you can think about why, why do I want to do those things? And, you know, that's something we've chatted about in the, in the past too, is, 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 you know, why is, you know, what is the, what are the things behind travel that are, that are going to benefit me from, from doing something like that. And I think that when you start to think of it in those terms, then, then it kind of comes out of that new age realm and it starts to become like, well, you know, this, this isn't necessarily a luxury. This is something that's, you know, this is really living my life to the full and, um, and you know, what else, what else is there? So, right. Uh, What does it mean to you to live your life to the fullest? You know, that's a really interesting, that's a really interesting question. I think on, you know, there's different levels of, of that. I think, um, you know, on one level there's the, the experiential side of it and, and, you know, living your life to the full is, is about enjoying every moment and, uh, doing things that you, that you've always dreamed of doing. And, and for me, that part of that is, is definitely being an explorer of the world and seeing the world and experiencing different cultures and, and, you know, climbing mountains and going on hundred mile pub crawls and all that kind of thing. But, but on another level to that, 
you know, I feel like it has to get a level deeper than that too. And it's about what you, what you learn and how you evolve and, and all those other things. And then the final level is how you apply what you've learned and evolved through those experiences into something that's uh, kind of meaningful in the world, like how you share that. So it kind of goes from a purely subjective experiential thing um, through a kind of uh, learning process and then and then ultimately like how are you going to output that into the world and, 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 and do something with it that, you know, hopefully inspires other people too. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. It, it's, it is a tough concept to live up to, right? If you ask yourself, well, am I living my life to the fullest, right? You ask yourself that question. It's a powerful question. And certainly the questions that you ask yourself can, can be motivating, can be inspire you to action, can do a lot of things for you. So I think those are some of the most important questions that we ask or the ones we ask ourselves. But it's a uh, it's also like maybe an impossible standard to live up to on a, like a day to day basis. Well, am I living my life to the fullest today? Okay. No, I'm going to like, I'm going to run to the fjord and jump in it naked. And then, you know, yeah. but like, and you not- know what, if you did, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. <laughs> go, I was go just going to say, if you do that every single day, then, <laughs> then that's no longer living your life. To, you're like, oh, <laughs> right. Man, I can't jump in this damn fjord again, you know? But, <laughs> <laughs> right. But I mean, it's, uh, you know, even though I don't think it should be a question that you try to live up to on a day to day basis, but it's more of like, hey, I'm looking back on sort of a, on like the general timeline of the last, you know, year or two. And it's like, hey, am I am I like living my life to the fullest in, in the ways that mean something to me in terms of like what I might want to create or the things that I want to do or in, in internally or externally, right? And if not, am am I sort of on the path to, I guess we say, like living your best life or something? This, these are hard questions because it sets up this concept of there being like an ideal. And I think everybody knows that there there's no ideal really that can be reached, but you can sort of craft an ideal that can match and align with your values and who you are. I think that's really smart what you said. I mean, I was going to say that similar thing too, which is like, God, we're under so much pressure to do, to do that right now. And it's awful in a way, you know, like to that pressure to, to live your life to the full. And we're constantly bombarded with other people living their life to the full. And, and, and so much of that is, is unattainable, right? Like, you know, so much of what you see on Instagram or whatever is, is, is unattainable. And, and yet we're sort of naturally as human beings, built to always like compare ourselves upwards, you know? And so we're always comparing ourselves with uh, what we don't already have and comparing ourselves with like what we want next. And, you know, that's obviously a, a, a trait that's helped us evolve. Um, but it doesn't always make us happy in this, in this world where you're always bombarded by things that you don't have or people or lives that you can't let yet live. And uh, it just drags us out of the, the present. It drags us out of that gratitude for, for the life we're living right now. And um, I think one of the things that I'm certainly trying to do and struggling with, but, you know, trying to do more of is just be really grateful for the for the stuff I have already. Right. And, and like, start there, like be but be present for the stuff that you already have and, and, and grateful for that stuff. And because that's where a real sort of joy comes from, isn't it? And and um, and that's all already in your hands. And then from there, you can kind of um, build out to that. And and but how do you choose that, right? Like you know, if if you're if you're basing those choices on 
you know, what you feel like you should be or because you're seeing these images of other people and other lives and you think, oh God, that's what happiness looks like. That's, that's what I want. Then, um, I'm not sure that's always a route to true authentic happiness because, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're building someone else's, um, life. You're, you're living someone else's dream, you know, as we said earlier. And, and, uh, and so I think that one of the things that I've found over the last, you know, 12 plus years of being a travel writer and, 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 and being so lucky to, to go and see the different parts of the world and, and different cultures is what I love about that is how it shows you that you can really choose to be any, anyone you want to be, you know, and, uh, like we kind of grow up in these, these cliques of our families and friends and schools and towns and communities. And I think it's particularly when you're younger, it's easy to feel like that that's rock solid, right? Like that, that is like, we've come from there and this is our way of being, and this is who we are. And these are our values. And, you know, when I first really started traveling, uh, it was one of the things that really opened my eyes was like, wow, people all over the world lived completely different lives to the way that I've grown up, you know, and right now, as we're talking, people are living, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of different lives, different values. And that's one of the things that makes the world so beautiful and amazing and exploring the world so exciting. But it also means that like, that when you start to see that, I think you can like you can a switch turns on where you can start to say, "Hey, I'm actually I can create myself. I can choose to be a different person than the person that I grew up to be." Right? Like if there's a mismatch between, you know, the person or the values that you grew up with, and who you feel inside, then then that travel can be a kind of catalyst to 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 seeing that. Um, that there's just different ways of being and maybe there's a better fit for you somewhere else. Or maybe you can, you know, like a mosaic, pick these jewels from elsewhere and, and use them to, to create who you are. And that's a powerful thing too, because then you can come home with that if you want and you can come home with that. And those little jewels can also be guiding lights for other people to see and to say, Hey, I don't have to fit into this mold either. I don't have to wear this mask if I don't want to either. I can choose to be, you know, that, anyone I want. And, and that is, uh, that's true freedom in a way. And I think, so if you're choosing your, your life and your happiness and how you're going to live your fulfilled life and, and, and make a meaningful life for yourself, if you're choosing it from the basis of that kind of authentic, uh, self, like how am I going to, um, you know, from the basis of this is who I really am, irrespective of, of what, people may think of that. This is, this is really who I am. And I, this is the life I'm going to build from that happiness. And that's a really solid foundation. And that's how I think that, you, you know, that's how I think you really can live a meaningful life. And it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be glamorous, right? It doesn't have to be big. Um, you know, and oftentimes those glamorous and big lives look amazing from the outside, but from the inside, you know, they go through all the same problems and issues that, that we do. They still have to wake up with themselves every day. And so, um, so I think that's one of the great benefits I've, I've, I've found from travel is just, you know, kind of expanding your mind and, and, and realizing that you can, you can be whoever you want to be and use that as your basis for your, for your, for your dreams and, and what you're planning to do with your life. Yeah. I mean, when you're traveling through, through a place, you're nobody. Right? Right. You're right. just passing through and you're essentially detached or untethered from your identity in some ways. I mean, not not in the sense that 
oh, you you know, you can't joke around and it can't, it can't be your personality, but there are no expectations around who you are or who you need to be because you're out of your cultural framework, right? So if you go to a pub in Brighton, people kind of know what it means to be British and be in a pub in Brighton. But if I go to a pub in Brighton, I don't know what that means, right? I just know I'm in a pub in England and hey, this is pretty cool. I have no context for like small, maybe social cues that, you know, you guys might be aware of or things like that. So, I mean, you could take that into more dramatic examples, like being in maybe, uh, you know, far from Western culture or somewhere in the middle of a Mongolia and a yurt or something that this can become more accentuated, I think. But yeah, like in some ways you talked about, I, I guess what we've been saying is like, you can look at the perfect couple on Instagram or whatever. You don't see them fighting after the picture, of course. <laughs> <That's> uh, <laughs> you know, you don't see the band after they come off stage, like being like, oh, what was that? Did I screw that up? You know, oh my gosh, and this one thing happened. Like you, you know, the crowd just sees the the band rocking out and everybody kind of moves on with their lives. So there's, there's all of that. But if you're trying to add a lot to be happy... I forget what the words you use, but like, you know, like taking a glamorous trip or living a glamorous lifestyle or, th- or something like that. I think some of the things that travel has taught me the most is like when all, like the most glamorous things were taken away. Like you're just staying in a hostel and there's like, you know, there's no heat and it's freezing and like you have to take a cold shower or whatever the case is or like, you know, there's bed bugs in here. Or you're staying in this $3 a night place or whatever. And it's just like, wow, you're really just stripping down to the basics and in that way, you're not only untethered from your identity, but you're even kind of totally stripped away from anything that's been something you're familiar with growing up. So it's yeah, I love because you talk about this a lot, and I love that, I love that. I found it really inspiring to to hear you talk about it, that kind of minimalism and how that you can change your mindset around that, you know. And so like where you go to somewhere where maybe people don't have a lot, um, or or you know maybe you're you go off and, you know, backpacking through the wilderness for a couple of weeks that sometimes that, that can just feel like such a weight being lifted too, you know, like, and, um, and, and you can realize that you don't need all this stuff. Right. Um, I just interviewed this guy who did this incredible, um, he took a Jeep like all the way from Alaska down to the Southern tip of South, South America. And he was like, you know, one of the things I, I realized is, is like, you know, um, that for me, like money became freedom, you know, like, like I would, you know, do I want to, do I want to spend a hundred dollars on this, on this hotel? Well, you know, that's that hundred dollars here is going to be like three days work for me. Is it like, is it worth my three days work to spend that night in the hotel? You know, so money became equated to, to sort of freedom to him in a way. And, and so and a lot of times that's invisible to us in this culture because we get kind of stuck in this debt and we get stuck in, you know, all this other stuff where we, where we're kind of have to then earn money. But, um, but you know, if you can shed some of those costs and some of that lifestyle, then it can free you up to, to, to live different kinds of lives. You know, it's hard sometimes, man. Like, I mean, as a father of two and you are a father of two as well, (sighs) the amount of crap my kids have right now, is unbelievable. And it's like, well, what am I going to tell their grandparents? Like, oh, you can't buy them anything. You know, I mean, we've tried, we even tried. We're like, please don't buy them a stuffed animal. Please don't buy them a stuffed animal. And then what happens? They show up with a stuffed animal or like two or three. It's like, (sighs) 
<laughs> I don't know. Anyway, that's uh, I that's a, I don't want to. I don't want to get too far off of it. I'm this drowning like, in kid stuff as we speak. I'm like knee deep in it. Yeah, this is like <laughs> not going in the direction that I like. But anyway, it's um, I every and every once in a while I have a freak out about it. But also we live in a small apartment, so uh, it, it, it gathers up pretty quickly. I feel you, man. I, <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about something that you mentioned in your email that I thought was a really cool topic, and I'll just read a snippet. You said, um. I wrote a book about wonders of the world a few years ago, and that process really got me thinking about wonder slash awe, what it is and why it's important. I feel we are all suffering a wonder deficit in our lives, and that travel can help fill that void. I want to talk about wonder a little bit. I hadn't really ever contemplated this word or wonder and awe in the context of uh, travel, but I found as being a dad, this is something I get to have more in my daily life that I think... I, I lost, uh, not lost, but I mean, it was, it's a huge part of travel. So I'm glad you brought the word up. Uh, but now I, you know, when I go out with my kids and we're, we're looking at flowers and, and, you know, looking at, we're walk, taking a walk over to the pond to see that these swans just had babies and we've been watching the eggs and the mother and all the stuff they're doing to prepare over the last month. And it's just like, yeah, wow. It's, this is so much to appreciate so much, uh, so many amazing things in the world. And when you get just down to these small things you reappreciate all those things again and like you said travel can help fill that void i wanted to hear your thoughts on this whole idea of a wonder deficit and how travel plays into that yeah awesome yeah thanks for asking that um yeah so i i wrote i wrote this book about the 50 greatest wonders i got to choose all lots of different wonders which is really fun about that but in the introduction i wrote i wrote um like wonder is fine dining for the soul and uh i you know i just got really turned on to this idea of of wonder being more than just this kind of fleeting passion, right? It's, it's basically the basis of, you know, discovery. It's the basis of curiosity and science and philosophy and art, like all these good things in life that we really value kind of grow from this seed of just wonder and exploration. And, you know, there's all these interesting studies about it too, how, how wonder can, um, you know, enhance empathy and altruism and, and other stuff like that. And there's this, this really fascinating idea that I came, came across um, uh, this study that, that basically argued that wonder is like a snapshot of enlightenment almost. Like if, when you're confronted with great wonder, when you're at the ridge of the Grand Canyon, you're staring up at Angel Falls, or maybe you're just looking at swans with your, with your babies, um, the, that wonder kind of what happens is it sort of overwhelms that prefrontal cortex. It overwhelms that part of the brain. And so momentarily you see the world without having to look through the veil of your ego. Mm. And so you see the world momentarily as it, as it really is, you know, without this filter, like everything like that we take in from a couple seconds, a fleeting couple seconds, want to grab but, onto. but aren't they some of the most amazing yes. seconds you'll have? Right. Yes. And for me, like I want to, I, kind of, I call myself a wonderist, right? Like I'm a collector of wonder. Like one of the reasons why I travel is I want to collect those fleeting moments because they're fleeting in the in the experience of them, but they but they also really last because those are the things that you carry with you forever, right? Those are the moments that you remember forever, and you can kind of come back to them in a way. You can feel that uh, that wonder again, and I think that's a really that's a really powerful thing. And, and especially like, we're, you know, to, to go back to that, what we're saying about that pressure to, to live up to 
other people's lives and 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 where that kind of meaning and stuff comes from you know we obviously live in a in a culture now with social media and other things and, and the internet where you know our lives are really on display for everyone and we're and we're sharing everything um and sometimes you have to ask yourself like why what is my why for doing that right and um you know for me i feel like we can if we can collect th- those experiences as a means of like bringing in that that wonder and awe as a catalyst for our own kind of learning and our own uh you know personal evolution and our own just experience of amazingness and happiness if if we're doing it for those reasons then that's a kind of transcendent reason to do it rather than just a an ego driven re- reason of here I am in this awesome place, like, you know, all touched up on Photoshop, uh, looking, looking incredible. Um, so, you know, I, there's a space for that, of course, and there's a time for that and that's great. But, but I feel like that, you know, if you can access that, um, if you can explore the world with, with the vision of, um, trying to connect with that experience of wonder and awe, it can be a really transforming way to see the world and it can and it can kind of anchor that experience and give you a reason why I'm doing this and the things that come as a result of that the things that grow from that in the same way that um you know th- that philosophy and art and science all grows from that those those kind of flowers grow in you too you know and and all sorts of different ideas bubble together through that so i think it's a really it's a really powerful thing it's really kind of understudied i'm trying to um trying to work on some stuff about it at the moment and, and, and figure out how, uh, how that, how we can utilize that, that more in, in our lives. And one of the most amazing, um, one of the most amazing chats I had is I, I, I spoke with this astronaut, John Harrington, he's the first native American astronaut. And, uh, he was kind of talking about doing a spacewalk on the international space station and what that feels like to be up there. And he's a rock climber and he was like, it's the ultimate cliff. You know, you're hanging on, from one hand as the earth is passing by you 220 miles beneath you. But, but we got into speaking about the overview effect, which is this phenomenon that astronauts report, you know, and I loved this topic so much because it was, you know, that when you see the earth, uh, from space, it really changes you. There's like a, a phenomenal percentage of astronauts that when they come back from, from space, having seen the earth as a whole, having kind of seen that reality of the earth as this beautiful jewel floating in the black blackness of space that all our, you know, petty squabbles just seem so insignificant. All the, you know, there are no national borders in space, right? Those lines are just lines we draw in our mind. And, uh, you know, we're all in this together and look at this incredible planet of ours and, and how precious it is. And, you know, in a way that's the greatest wonder of all, Uh, but we can all, and that, that, you know, it's, it's been studied. There's like a fundamental cognitive shift that happens to these people when they come back. They, they fundamentally don't see the earth uh, as the same as anymore. They, they've seen the reality of it. And I think that, you know, in a smaller way that when we, when we travel and we go and experience these great wonders of the world, we can get a little glimpse of that too, you know, and that also that same shift happens with us too, that we can all that feeling connects all of us and that and we can realize that the, the preciousness of these natural wonders and the preciousness of these cultural wonders and and um and just feel kind of more connected to each other and to the planet as a whole i, I think 
you get out and travel and, and you notice things that you might not notice in your everyday life, even though they're there, but you're just so accustomed to your surroundings. It's easy to autopilot your way back and forth to work or whatever and get in our routines. You might take yourself and, and put yourself in a setting where other people are doing that, but you're noticing everything, right? And just being in wonder, in awe of a flower. You don't have to go anywhere to do this or, or any you know, you can go right outside your door. And I think a lot of people during this pandemic are discovering, you know, like just the wonders that are in their backyards or whatever, kind of noticing things that they hadn't noticed before. It also just builds the habit, I think, of um, making that a like a daily practice, you know? So if you're like more, if you're more aware of kind of like the mindset of, wow, like that tree is breathing in what I'm breathing out and I'm breathing in what it what it's breathing out. Like just that. Yeah. Just yeah, that's that. amazing. It's like, wow, that is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Why are yeah. we cutting down trees? Like, this is insane. <laughs> like, yeah. we're literally breathing what they're breathing. <laughs> you know, it's just like <laughs> that kind of thinking. I mean, for traveling, that was just huge. Like, it's just in your face all the time, right? Everything's new. And then getting off the road. I mean, there'd been some some struggles there with that transition. But that from travel, I mean, it's not like I didn't have that before because I'm a curious person. but definitely accentuated that. And I carried that with me, like you said, it's like not just carrying the experiences or those fleeting, like you said, enlightenment moments of enlightenment, but you're also carrying like the habitual thinking pattern of like just seeing the wonder and and being in awe of everything, which is, I think for me, it's a very healthy way to go about my day because I can always just kind of, no matter what's going on, I can still look at something and be like, wow, that, yeah. You know, <laughs> and, and I think I think that you're right as well. Like you know, I think we're naturally geared towards that as kids. Like you know, as as small children, we're you know we feel that wonder all over. Everything's new, and we're kind of like that's our programming is to to like reach out and touch and experiment things with things. But I feel like in in our in our lives, in, you know, particularly in modern Western lives, that we that we're our lives aren't kind of geared towards that. So the deficit comes. Because, you know, for 99% of our evolution, we, you know, we, we were, we lived in a way that was like intimately connected with the stars and the forests and all this stuff. And, and, and we've kind of disconnected from that in a way. And, and when we disconnect from that, we kind of disconnect from those natural sources of all. And in a way, and because our, our you know, we're, we're turned towards these other points of focus of like our career and, and just being busy and working and projects. And, and that's, that's natural and that's life. But, but if you can recognize that, like we're, we're, we're being turned from that. Um, and I th- then, then you can do something about it. And I, th- and I also feel like that, that deficit of wonder has a cost too. You know, I feel like that, maybe we're meant to to notice those things more and maybe that's something of like the juice that feeds us you know and without that i i mean i certainly notice that that you can begin to feel a little drained you know a little tired a little hollow and that when when you sometimes all you need to do is just go out and and have that hike or whatever and 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 look for that um that wonder set the intention for that wonder and 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 find it and that can fill you back up again let's switch gears a little bit i i not deep enough for you jason Uh, is that what you're saying (laughs) no no i mean this is a topic i could like i i I just wanted to make sure we didn't miss some of the travel writing stuff that we talked about but i i don't want to i think there's a lot around travel writing and we're gonna have to do a whole other episode on just travel writing advice because that could be 
probably yeah. another hour or an hour oh and a half. God. But yeah. maybe yeah. you can touch a little bit on something you mentioned, which is uh, in, when we were talking about this interview and the email is this whole idea of like a side hustle adventure, like using travel content creation to add more adventure into your life. And I, I know for you, that's probably travel writing and, and you've, I know you've already given some advice on travel writing, but uh, would you like to hear more around that concept and a little bit more about, uh, yeah, your travel writing experience? Yeah. So, you know, I, I really think that it's possible to moonlight as a travel writer. And I know a lot of people kind of dream about doing that. And it, it's obviously, it's hard, like anything, it's hard to do, to do it full time. And it's a really competitive field. But that doesn't mean that it's um, impossible, and I and I really believe that it's very very possible to uh, to kind of side hustle a little bit of travel writing or photography or filming or whatever it is is that is your is your thing, um, and the secret the really the secret the number one tip is is about how to get the right ideas, and I think the the mistake that people make is that they you know they they find themselves on a beach in Vietnam and then they say, Hey, this is a great beach I've found. Can I write about it for you? And it, it just doesn't work like that. It works the, the opposite way to that. And I think, so my, my number one tip is if you want to, if you want to moonlight as a travel writer, and I think that it's possible to do that and to get, um, free travel, like certainly as a professional travel writer, you can get lots of free travel and you can get discounted travel. Um, but, um, the, the secret for that is like, how are you going to come up with good ideas and then sell those ideas to editors and publications? Because the way it works, most people think that, um, the way it works is if I write something for the, for national geographic or for the times, that publication pays for me to go and do that experience, but it doesn't work like that. It, the, what you have to do is you have to get the commission from the publication and then negotiate with the destination or the tour operator or, the, or whatever to then, uh, to then help you, uh, research that destination. Um, so they want the coverage. Um, and, uh, you are someone that can be the middleman between that destination and, and the, and the publishing industry or the whatever industry that's going to get them that coverage. And it's a great deal for them. Like, you know, if I do a, if I do a double page feature in the times, uh, the cost for a, an advert of that size in the times, is like 50,000 pounds. Right? right. So, um, so for them to, you so know, they can afford a, your fancy bungalow and, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the travel industry is one of the biggest industries in the world. I mean, it's something like they spend something like $50 billion a year on marketing. Uh, so, um, so, you know, and they're, they really want this, this coverage. It's really valuable to them. So if you can get, and obviously if you write about something, it's better than a, than an advert because an advert is just this kind of faceless thing. If you can write someone, something that makes that reader feel what it's like to be there, uh, then, um, then that's, that's more powerful than just a kind of advert. So, um, so the way that if you want to side hustle more travel in your life and you want to get it uh, for free or at a discount, the, the, and you want to do that through travel content creation. Um, what you are is basically a middleman between that destination and the, and the publication and, and the publication comes first. And the way that you attract that publication is by having killer ideas, like an, a writer that has great ideas, but is an average writer 
is going to be a much more successful freelancer than a, a writer who's a brilliant writer with with terrible ideas. You can be the best writer in the world, but if you don't understand what a good idea is and why it's a good idea and, and how to sell that idea, you'll probably never be published. People are buying the idea. So the, the number one secret is is how how can I get ideas? And the, the tip for that is um, what I call topicality, uh, the why, the why now. Why now is absolutely crucial. You know, if you imagine if you're an editor of a travel section, you're going to get hundreds and hundreds of pitches about the best beaches and the best this and, and the, you know, the best hikes or the whatever. It, 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 if the first question they're going to ask is, why should I publish that now? Like, why is that relevant now? And so the first thing you need to do is you need to look for the, the hook and the hook. An idea has two components, a hook and an angle. And the hook is the why now. And so the, the why now of an idea is, you know, it could be anything from a, an anniversary. Like a few years ago, I did something like it was the 50th anniversary of the summer of love. So I, did, I wrote pieces about San Francisco. I interviewed everyone uh, from that was at the summer of love. You know, I wrote things about festivals that were coming up. Um, you know, it could be a, a big movie release. You know, I did, um, uh, one of the best trips I ever did actually was this, the, a few years ago, this movie, The Lone Ranger, came out, and it was like this kind of real stereotypical portrait of Native American life. So I wrote a bunch of stories about um, what what it's really like there. And you know, one of those was I, I got to go and live and stay with three different Navajo families for a week on the in the Navajo Nation, and do all sorts of incredible stuff. I took part in a medicine man ceremony, amazing, amazing stuff. But I tried to show this like real authentic side of Navajo culture. That idea never would have been published unless there was a why now. And the why now was here's Hollywood doing this stereotypical portrait of Native America. Here's the other side of it. Okay. So, um, you know, and it could be anything, you know, from sort of book releases to uh, topical stuff like it, that's in the news right now everything you know we're speaking at a time when coronavirus is still you know in full swing unfortunately uh, so a lot of stuff people are writing is about you know in response to that right so 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 that's the first place you start so you can't begin on that beach in vietnam and say let's write about this what you have to do is work way in advance and say okay coming up is this like um i recently did a thing it was uh, Call of the Wild, right? And so um, I knew that Call of the Wild, the movie was coming out with Harrison Ford in like, you know, eight months time. So I I pitched a load of stories about, you know, going to the Yukon, uh, Alaska, you know, uh, you know, how you can reconnect with nature. What does the Call of the Wild mean? More about Jack London. So you can, so you work in advance, you find those hooks in advance and, and, then you travel to those ideas, right? So, so my travel plans are based largely upon following a kind of wave of what's current and topical and happening in the travel news based on what's happening elsewhere in the world and what's, uh, and you know, new openings and things like that are always, are always good hooks too. And then you've got to find an angle. So the other half of an idea is, is an angle. So if you, once you have a good hook, you can sell lots of different stories off the back of that. Um, but the, the, you know, the angle, a lot of people make a mistake when they pitch stuff. You know, I've worked as an editor many times and you know, you'll get stuff like, Hey, I'm going to, to Cuba. Would you like an article about Cuba? 
and it, and the the destination that you're going to isn't isn't your angle, right? The de- so you might say, you know, hey, there's a there's a new flight to Cuba. Let, can I do a story about salsa dancing or you know architecture or whatever? So the the the, the angle is the kind of theme of the piece. And so um, if you can marry those two things, if you can marry the, 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 the why now and a really compelling angle, then, um, then you have a really solid idea. And if you've done that far enough in advance, then you can plan some travel around that, right? Um, so um, once you have that, then you have to understand how to pitch it. And that's the other, or do a query, they call it in America. But the, um, and that's the other half of it, you know? So um, and there's a real format to, to pitching, you know, and, um, I can share that with some of your listeners too. I can send you some stuff, but there's a real formula for it. And, um, and once you know that formula, um, then it's like you're speaking a language to other editors and that, that, oh, this guy knows what they're talking about. This guy understands it. So I think that that would be my number one tip. If you want to, if you want to get more travel in your life for less money and you want to moonlight as a travel writer, or you want to side hustle more adventure would be to think about the ideas. Number one, think topical and, um, and then, and then use this kind of magic formula to, to pitch it in a language that editors understand. Well, let's, let's have you back for a part two to go over that okay. formula. And then we, we're going to have to have you share your, one of your stories as well. I, I, you know, I said you share the best stories from the road on your podcast. I don't have to put the pressure on you right now. You can, you can think about that. Um, and if you, or if you have like a short story from your podcast, you want me to include in here, we can throw it in here at the end so people can get a taste of uh, armchair explorer and you can learn more about that at armchair dash explorer.com. It's been great, Jason. I, I, I've really, I want I want to keep, you know, I, I got to be honest here with everybody. I, I do not want to stop this interview, but I have to go pick up my kids. <laughs> I just got a text from my wife and she said she can't pick them up. So <laughs> now everybody's left hanging. This That's was an unintentional enough. cliffhanger. Uh, oh, this cliffhangers is called, are great though, right? <laughs> this is called uh, Real Life. Real Life, yo. Real Life interfering with my, podca- <laughs> my podcasting. Hey, I'm always going to be honest with everybody, right? This is just... This is the way it goes. That's so. life, man. That's the way it is. My kids, it's actually, so I'm quite a few hours behind you, but my kids are about to wake up in any minute and come running down okay, here. Okay, good. So this it's, is a good time for bad you. Timing. So yeah. yeah, I mean, this hour felt like 10 minutes. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Hopefully it wasn't a, a quote unquote long-winded interview. <laughs> oh man. I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. I, do, I am kidding. That's a great, <laughs> but man, yeah, I'm looking forward to connecting again. We got some catching up to do you know, even outside of the podcast as well. So, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's do a part two where we can dive a little bit deeper onto the travel writing stuff. And I want to talk about life in Colorado and awesome. all that good I stuff. I actually love so that. It's uh, yeah. Like I say, that. I've been a big fan of the, the show for many years before I, I got to be on it. So I'm super honored Thanks, to be here, man. Yeah. Thank you so much. And, uh, yeah, your show is awesome as well. So be sure to check that out. And we are going to, I'll link up to that in the soon. I just said your show's awesome as well, like as if my show is awesome. Hey, <laughs> yeah. man, I know my listeners are awesome. I know uh, my guests are awesome. So I'm calling it awesome. And then I, I just awesome. try to do my part here. But uh, thank you so much, man. Oh, and, man. Thank um, you. We'll chat soon. Sounds great. Cheers. All right, man. Take it easy. There you have it. My interview with Aaron Miller. Great guy. 
Uh, as you heard at the end, I had to run and pick up my kids when that was recorded. I'm sorry about that. But listen, we'll have Aaron back to give us some more advice. And also, I want to bring on guests and cover subjects that you want me to cover because this is a community-powered show. So get in touch. Jason at ZeroToTravel.com is my email. Let me know who you want me to bring on, what you want me to talk about, maybe what topics you want me to cover. If you want me to answer any specific questions, send them my way. And bonus points if you send me some audio because like I said at the top of the show, if you got a question, hey, it's a faster way to send an email anyway. I feel like this is an underutilized thing. I do this all the time. I'll send either audio emails or videos to people. And uh, it's just a lot easier than writing it all out. But with audio, guess what? I can put it on the podcast if it's something you want to share with the community or just a story or you know, maybe it's some something around um, saving money on travel or how uh, being a part of this community has helped you in some way or whatever. Whatever. Just send me some audio. I want to hear your voices. You guys hear my voice every week. Some of you or those of you that are listening occasionally or whenever you're getting to to listen to my voice. I want to hear your voice. I want to make this a two-way conversation. So please get in touch. Jason at ZeroToTravel.com is my email. And speaking of audio, after a I share a little bit around Wonder and some of the stuff we talked about at the top of the show. Uh, Stick around because you can hear a clip from Aaron's podcast, which we talked about in the interview portion. Okay. Now, let me give a shout out really quickly to Melissa, who uh, wrote me an email the other day. She said, actually, I guess it was a week ago now. She said, hi, Jason. Just wanted to say thanks for your podcast. I've been binging it during the pandemic. Started to feel pretty bummed out about canceling a trip this year. I took your advice about being spontaneous and booked an overnight at a swanky hotel nearby just to do something different. We also booked an RV for a local trip to go hiking and safely get out of the house. I recently listened to an episode about being adventurous. The guest mentioned going a different route home or walking in a new neighborhood to mix things up and see something new. I plan to try these sometime too. Thanks again, Melissa. Awesome, Melissa. (laughs) You rock. Uh, I love that. Just booking an overnight at a swanky. I love that she, she found a swanky hotel. I mean, can we use the adjective swanky to describe anything else other than a hotel? I mean, you can say those are some swanky pants you have on. No, I feel like swanky is an adjective reserved for hotels, maybe. Maybe it is. Anyway, that's so cool. I just love how she's getting into these adventures around her house. And um, yeah, these are things I've brought up in past episodes, but I thought uh, reading Melissa's email here to all of you would be a great reminder to maybe do some of these things for yourself. If you're feeling a little antsy when it comes to the pandemic or you just need to get that feeling of adventure, yeah, mix things up, walk a different way, walk around your neighborhood, walk to the next town and take a bus back, whatever. Take public transportation when you don't usually do that. Spend one night in a swanky hotel nearby, rent an RV. All this is great advice from Melissa and just wanted to share that with you to pump you up if today you're feeling a little off or maybe you've been feeling a little off, you're missing your travel adventures because of this pandemic, then there are things you can do, my friend. Take the power back. Take the power back into your own hands. Take control. Get out there. Do something adventurous. It's going to be awesome. All right. 
<laughs> that's enough of that um, pump you up voice. Uh, <laughs> all right. Thanks again, Melissa. And thanks to everybody that has taken the time to write or check in. Now, I do want to talk about Wonder in a moment. First, I do want to say one more last thank you to homeexchange.com for supporting today's show. Home Exchange is the number one home exchange community in the world. It's a service that allows people from all over the world, people like you, to exchange their homes easily, seamlessly, and without any money changing hands. And as the most trusted home exchange community in the world, they offer authentic, responsible, and affordable opportunities, travel opportunities for everyone to enjoy. So uh, what I love is the values that they that they possess in terms of like responsible travel and authentic travel. And there's something special about a community where no money is changing hands and you're just staying in each other's homes. These are some of the best things about the internet. Businesses like Home Exchange that really embrace like awesome core values and they're using the internet to facilitate connections in the real world and and you know, this is more than just a home exchange. It's a it's a cultural exchange. It's a it's a, a new travel adventure, even if you're just exchanging, you know, a couple hours away and going on a road trip. And I know a lot of you might be thinking right away, home exchange, oh, you know, I'm going to go halfway across the world. Hey, listen, you could use this, you know, two hours from your house, an hour from your house, 20 minutes from your house just to do something different. So check them out, homeexchange.com. You can sign up for free and you only pay the annual fee when you make your first exchange. When you do, Use the promo code 010 because as a listener of this show, you're going to get 10% off and they'll also know you came from this show. So use that promo code 010 when you make your first exchange. Make a note of that somewhere and you'll get the hookup with 10% off. Thank you to the team at Home Exchange for supporting today's show. Okay, let's get back to this definition of wonder. I'll read it again. The definition was a feeling of amazement and admiration caused by something beautiful, remarkable, or unfamiliar. Now, the parts of this definition that I think are most tied in with travel, believe it or not, yes, the feeling of amazement, of course. I mean, you could stand in front of some of these sites that you've... (laughs) You know, we're just talking about the physical sites I and mean, you go to like the Roman Colosseum or something and you've, you've read about this thing, you've seen it in books and then all of a sudden you get off the subway and you're standing in front of it and you're just like, wow, that feeling of amazement. There it is. There's all that history right in front of me. I'm putting my hand on the rocks that maybe, you know, gladiators touched or the spectators and I'm actually feeling and smelling the history when I'm there. It's incredible. But then I think of uh, the two words in this definition admiration and unfamiliar because wonder is caused by something beautiful, remarkable, or unfamiliar. And there's something about the unfamiliar in travel where my wonder ramps up to uh, (laughs) whatever, the needle's hitting into the red, I guess you could say. That feeling of being in the unfamiliar brings on a sense of wonder and curiosity that is um, really just so heightened. And of course, admiration for uh, how different cultures and societies operate. I always admire people and I think everybody has their own genius and uh, being able to bear witness to somebody's genius, uh, whatever they're doing, 
just something that I'd never be able to do personally or, or getting to witness um, uh, the genius of a, a society or a culture. It's uh, It never ceases to amaze me and also put me in that state of wonder. So I just wanted to share a few thoughts around that. And uh, wonder is a, it was a really cool topic to discuss with Aaron and something that I think is uh, important every day. Having that childlike wonder, right, about the world when you really think deeply on the fact that, for example, I'm looking out the window, I'm looking at trees. Trees are breathing and we're breathing in what they're breathing out and they're breathing in what we're breathing out. I mean, just think about that. That's just like something that we don't think about all the time, but it's, it's, it puts me in a state of wonder and um, nature and just everyday life is wonder. It is wonder. So don't forget to uh, look around and uh, be in awe and in wonder about the world. So there you go. Just wanted to share those thoughts. Now, uh, usually we leave you with a quote, but today uh, I'm going to leave you with a segment from Aaron's podcast. You can check that out. And that's it. So enjoy that. And I will see you next week. Thanks for your time. Peace and love. So we set out um, 1999. We knew we were going to be somewhere on the top of a peak of a mountain in Sikkim on the New Year's Eve millennium, like with these two shepherds, feeling like we were on top of the world, on the top of a Himalaya with all the clouds beneath us and these two shepherds dancing around the fire. And you could almost feel the whole of planet Earth spread out beneath you, partying as the sun went round the Earth and everyone went into the year 2000 uh, one by one. And it, it was just an amazing place in total stillness and silence to feel the whole globe throbbing with the Millennium Party. I didn't really think that I was going to win the gold. I was just hoping to get like a any color, you know, gold, silver or bronze would have been great. But um, the whole downhill run for me was, uh, it was almost like it was out of body experience. I, uh, I, had, I had one of those runs at the Olympics where I felt like I was in slow motion, like the whole track itself was super icy and, and intimidating and and you're ripping down the mountain at 75 miles an hour in a skin-tight suit with uh, no safety except the, the padding and the, and the nets that are along the course. And uh, when I jumped in the starting gate, it was pretty much like I said to myself, either I'm going to win or I'm going to crash. I, don't, I, don't, I might not ever have this chance again. I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to floor it. Well, you're about 220 miles to 230 miles or 40 above the Earth. And so it's, you know, it's the ultimate cliff. I had a chance to climb over the side of the space station and push a plunger and hold on with a thumb and a forefinger. And there was nothing between me and, you know, 220 miles straight down, nothing between me and the edge of the, edge of the earth and the universe. One time I was doing this, I was working on the backside of space station and, uh, and the Bahamas floated into view uh, down this long white panel I had my head next to. So all of a sudden you see this absolutely gorgeous light blue of the ocean and the depth of the, the tongue of the ocean down there and the really dark blue and you get to watch it float underneath you as you're going over the top of it and that was just a that was a fabulous thing to see i made it to the summit at 7:27 a.m in the morning you see the whole world and you try to take a picture to prove that you made it to the summit of everest but there's only blue skies around you and or clouds 
so you just wanted to take a picture of the mark um, and then you look down it looks like um, it looks like candy land of mountains like it's all snowy mountains and like you see all those 7,000ers and 6,000ers from far away and they look so tiny and you think like you this is the highest point a human body can stand on in the world and I'm literally standing there like how how good can this get how lucky can I be This podcast has been brought to you by zero to travel.com ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality 